The Book of Boba Fett is coming to Disney Plus on December 29th. But starting today, you can watch the trailer for this thrilling Star Wars adventure of the legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Finnick Shand. Follow the journey as the two navigate the galaxy's underworld to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt. That's the Book of Boba Fett. Check out the trailer on Disney Plus starting today. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective a podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday evening, afternoon, evening, depending on where you are. Joining us from Phoenix, Arizona, where it is afternoon, is the undefeated Mark Spears. What's happening, brother? Do you get upgraded to like nicer rooms when they hear when they hear Marcus Spears and they're like, oh, Mark Spears? Hey, man, I, I, I was in this business long before him. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like that. You basically tell me I ain't got no name. It's, it's, it, you know what I'm saying? I'm an also, ambassador, and I'm also an ambassador member with Marriott. Okay, you're at a good point. But to answer your question, I oftentimes I've gotten sent his ties. That's my, and oh, nice. I gotten I get tweeted out about NFL stuff all the time. People cursing me out. All the time. Not a not a benefit. The ties are a good benefit. Yeah, I got charged for a flight to. Uh, I got charged for a flight to Lexington once. That obviously he went on and I went. Didn't. What? <laughs> but probably to. Uh, I'll say this because I don't want to embarrass the dude. There's a high level ESPN personality who has twice called me, thinking I was him. That is what I'm talking about. Also, I figure maybe some emails too. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I do believe that we're cousins. Seriously. Okay. I believe his, it. His family, my my grandfather is from Mississippi and his family's from Mississippi and they're from the same city. So Also LSU ties? Yep. Yep. Family's from Louisiana. Mom's side. Um, you got you have my a master's, master's there. He played right. football there. Right. I look like I might have played football there at some point, but I didn't. <laughs> you were a college basketball player. Yes, sir. They didn't recruit me. All right. That's a mistake by that. <laughs> that other voice you heard was Om Young Masuk. Nobody confuses Om. You, you, you don't get, uh, you know, anybody's calls, do you? Om? No, I will say this. There's no other Om Young Masuk in this world, or at least there should not be. But back in about 2003 on the Nets beat, we were in Sacramento. And there were other beat writers staying at a Marriott courtyard, I want to believe. And they called the front desk thinking I was staying in the same hotel to patch them to my room. And the front desk attendant patched them to another Om Young Masuk. They, at least they swear to this day. And I kept telling them there's definitely no other Om Young Masuk on this planet. Because if there is, that person would be a direct relative of mine. And there is no other Om Young Masuk. But they swear mm. there is. Maybe somebody was stealing your identity. One you time know, I, was... I was going to say the other thing, too, is uh, my old boss, Leon Carter, when I got hired at ESPN New York, told me that uh, there was a little bit of a delay in my hiring. And I was like, what's, what's, take, what's taking so long? And he said that it was the, uh, the background check. And I said, well, what, mm-hmm. what, what could possibly come on in my background check? And he said, they found another Ohm Young Masuk with some scandalous stuff on his Facebook page. And I said, there's only one Noam Young Masuk. <laughs> and they were just like, <laughs> no, there, he goes, I don't know. But he said that the background people said they found him some, some, uh, some questionable stuff. And I was like, there's no way there is anybody else than me. There might've been some questionable stuff on your social media this week. If you'd been <laughs> saying what your real feelings were about Michigan state being Michigan. Oh, I was at the game, Wendy. Uh, it was incredible. Congratulations. I, I just, thank you. And you're not stealing my coach, Spearsy. You guys need well, to stay you know, away hey, from our hey, coach. You remember that guy, Cheers, the one that always used to say he's going to steal, uh, what's the name's girlfriend? <laughs> That's LSU Try to get your coach, baby. If we, uh, if, if we want him, he, he's ours. You, you can he, stay away from him. <laughs> you know, if, if we want to, we're deciding who we want right now. So I'll let you know. But Brian, I did have to add this real quick. Um, I know probably the craziest thing about me and Marcus Spears was when Alabama played Clemson 
and I believe it was the two nine, 2018 uh, BCA championship in Santa Clara, there was a former columnist I used to work with who took a picture next to an ESPN bus and it had Marcus Spears bus, I mean, picture on it and tweeted out, man, I'm, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> and, and what you've been able to do with your career. And she took a picture next to Marcus Spears' face. She's like, yeah, we work. I enjoy working with you at the LA Daily News and, and just so so proud of your success. And I'm like, that ain't me, man. Like, Obviously. Like, we work together. Man. We work together. I know they say all oh, black people look alike, but God damn, man. Like, that's, I never even... Like, come on now. We work you know, together. You know, you know, Spears, the, the only only time I've ever been mistaken for somebody else is there were times in New York here where people used to think that I was Pablo Torre. They used to say, hey, man, I saw you on Around the Horn. <laughs> you know, good, great <laughs> job. And I was like, I, I, I've i never been on Around the Horn. And so I used to tell Pablo this because uh, my, my, <laughs> my, my, my answer was always, no, that's the smart Asian. <laughs> okay. I'm not as smart as Pablo Torre. But now I'm no longer mistaken for Pablo Torre because you, you might have saw recently this weekend or it, they, he was recently at a Nets game. There's a picture of him sitting next to uh, Pete Davidson and uh, I think Jason Sudeikis. And I'm like, yeah, well, I am no longer in the same Pablo Torre oh, stratosphere. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, apparently Pete Davidson hangs out with Pablo one night and Kim Kardashian the next. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to double date. And that, um, guy, that comedian... Uh, Maybe only Chappelle has it better than him. He might have it better than Chappelle. <laughs> Chappelle's got all the money, though. Um, so we do talk about the NBA. Um, so, guys, um, we are two weeks into the season. And I want to tell you that we have the fewest free throws per game in the modern era of the NBA. We have the lowest offensive numbers, offensive efficiency for the league since 2014. We have lowest three-point percentage since 2003, lowest uh, overall field goal percentage, I think, since 2000. Uh, we have a whole bunch of guys whose uh, scoring averages, whether it be Steph Curry, James Harden, Trey Young, are all down three, four, five points a game. We're seeing the Miami Heat looking like the 2005 San Antonio Spurs holding teams to like 85 points night after night after night. Um, Spears is this, we got Draymond doing backflips saying this is the way the league should be. And he's doing, he's thrilled with they're basically swallowing the whistle, the officials. Is this moving in a positive direction? Do you like what you're seeing right now uh, with the way the officials are calling the games? Well, one, one thing I would expect this to be the case in terms of overall last season when they didn't have much of a break, you know, and they got a decent break, but I, I'm pretty shocked by how big of an effect that that new rule with the three-point line, jumping to your teammates, I don't know what they call it, uh, like it's had that big of an effect. And, I, you know, I guess I thought preseason would be a way that guys got used to it. Um but obviously for James Harden, it, it's had an impact. I mean, nobody lives off of that more than, you know, you know, James Harden has. If there is one thing I still wish that they would change, it, it would be the, um, God, help me. What was it called when somebody's, uh, there's a fast break and they, they foul? Yeah, the, um, the clear path foul. I hate that foul. I hate, and there's so many dunks that we've missed because they haven't gotten rid of that like to me like they should have it should be like international where if you do that um you know what yeah what do you it, get? in in the it's a it's a technical foul the olympics yeah. um <laughs> it was kind of funny uh i was covering the olympic team and like one of their first exhibition games like i think it was draymond you know a take foul basically yeah he there, there's a fast break and he grabs somebody next thing you know it's a technical and like the u.s players are like what what just happened and uh, yeah, in the league, in the international, not only is that illegal, if you do do it, you uh, you get really penalized. Um, yeah. And I and I, I think the NBA should add that as well, because there's just so many spectacular plays we've missed um, because of that. Well, the but, clear you know, path is the clear path foul is meant to dissuade that. But you're talking about just in general, allowing 
uh, just take fouls is what you're is what you're yeah what yeah describing yeah I mean it's just like oh man so and so's about to do a oh they fouled him you know what I mean like I just, yeah. Or or the guy I goes down and dunks and the crowd is going crazy, but they don't realize that the official blew the whistle five seconds yeah, later. Exactly. I mean, it's it's still early in the season, but Ryan, to your to your point, those are pretty jarring statistics. So Ohm, you're you're covering the Nets right now. You're joining us from Brooklyn. Um, you've been with the Nets the whole season so far. Um, Harden's been talked about quite a bit, but you know, the Nets are struggling to score. And really what's happening is um, the, the, yes, they got rid of that foul where they don't want you pump faking on the perimeter and the guy going in the air and then you jumping at a 45 degree angle into the player. They don't want, you know, the James Harden sorcery where he goes down the lane, he's dribbling with his left and he uses his right hand and he slides it underneath another player's arm and gets that foul. They don't like Trey Young drive into the lane and then, you know, throwing himself sideways into a player. Actually, a lot of players are guilty of that, but, you know, throwing himself sideways into a player to create the contact. But what's happened is the officials, while getting that instruction from the, from the, from the league, they are also um, just not calling like general uh, hand check arm bars. And so it's become, a wrestling match that the that the the defender is getting away with right now. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. I can't tell you how weird it is to watch a game and see James Harden go to the line three times total in a game, which has happened twice or even once. Uh, in the first five games of the season, James Harden had a total of 15 free throws. He normally does that in one game. And he finally broke out and did that two games ago last Friday night where he went to the line 19 times. And I think we're starting to see that there's a couple things. Number one, James Harden got off to a very slow start because he says he was not able to play any pickup in the offseason due to that grade two hamstring injury that he had in the playoffs and toward the end of last season. So he said he just wasn't able to play any pickup or able to play full court basketball. And so he was kind of using the start of the regular season to do that. And he said he, his confidence wasn't there. He was hesitant. Um, he didn't feel like himself. Now in the last two games, he had 29, eight and eight on Friday night. And then he had 18, 10, 12 and 10. So he had a triple double. And now he's starting to feel more like himself. And the Nets offense is starting to look a little bit better, although it was against Indiana and Detroit. So I'm sure that also has something to do with it. Um, they obviously, Miss Kyrie. Uh, I, I never thought that even without Kyrie, I thought they would have plenty of offense, but their shooting has been pretty bad. Their three point shooting has been like, you know, ice cold on certain nights. And they also are very much, it, it, it feels like preseason extended for the Nets because Steve Nash admitted the other night uh, that like, look, once, once Kyrie wasn't there, we had planned going into the season with a certain group. And that group is the, the majority, you know, the big piece of that group is not here. And so we had to adjust. And so he's figuring out what lineups to use. Nick Claxton's been out now with a non-COVID illness and is going to be out for a little bit more. And he, so he's trying to figure out, do I go big? What do I do with my rotations? What am I going to do with my point guards? It still comes down to Durant and Harden. And once those guys start playing better, I think everything else will fall into place. But I think they are still trying to very much figure out that thing without Kyrie 
who continues to hang over this team kind of like a, you know, a big shadow there. I think the officials are going to correct because I think the officials are not necessarily calling it the way that, I mean, look, I went back before this podcast and rewatched the video that they put out at the beginning of the season um, that, that uh, goes over the, um, the, the points of emphasis that Monty McCutcheon, the head of the officiating does. And in that video, yeah, they showed all these clips of, you know, don't, don't call these pump fake fouls and, and what he calls overt actions where guys are like clearly making non-basketball plays to get fouls. But he, he does say you want, to allow freedom of movement. You can't hold guys. And, but it's interesting, you know, these rule changes were the product spears of the competition committee, um, which is really one of the more interesting committees in the league because it makes, it has owners, general managers, coaches, players, and referees all in them. I don't know of any other committees that have all those guys represented. And so I went to see who is on the competition committee that recommended these changes and it's a little bit of a window into why they suggested it. So one of the owners, my guess is the lead owner <laughs> of the three, uh, Michael Jordan, <laughs> uh, the players, uh, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul and Dwight Powell, but Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, I mean, how would you think that they, they benefit from pitch? it? Right. Of <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, mean, Chris like, Paul, I, I mean, Kyle's a master, right? Well, I mean, I don't want to, I, I give the Miami Heat a lot of credit. I don't want to give them that much conspiracy theory, but like the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat built a team to be great on rugged defense, getting PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry and already having Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and, then, and then their guy on the competition committee, uh, in, you know, allows, you know, fights for there to be more rugged defense. I mean, um, Dwayne Casey and Quinn Snyder, are the coaches, Dwayne Casey, definitely an old school defensive coach and Quinn Snyder, you know, he, I'm sure likes freedom of movement, but he, um, he's a believer in staunch defense. Um, and the referees are Mark Davis and Zach Zarba. Zach Zarba has been on, has been there in the league 20 years. And Mark Davis is, if he's not the most senior, he's in the top three of most senior officials. So you got some old school referees, some old school style players, Jeez. old school style coaches, Michael Jordan. The other owners are Josh Kroenke from the Nuggets and Vivek Ranadive. And then the general managers are Elton Brand, who, played defense in his career, Arturis Kanishevis and Neil O'Shea uh, uh, from the Bulls and Blazers. But I got to wonder, you know, I, I can see Jordan. Can't you see Jordan on that competition committee on those Zooms going, we got to tone this down a little bit, guys. Let's play some real basketball. And, you know, I know that, that this isn't exactly what they wanted, but, like, they made the recommendation, the league passed it, and now we're seeing guys like Draymond out there frolicking and Kyle Lowry in the heat. I mean, I got to imagine Jordan is probably pretty happy with what he's seeing right now. But you, I, I think the thing that's surprising to me is um, I'm actually even surprised it got on the table because of who it benefited. You know, it benefited the James Hardens and the Steph Curry's and some of the league's greatest scores, right? Durant's really good at doing the rake thing, right? Well, it, no, I, it didn't benefit them because it, it was trying to take away those trick fouls that they were getting, you know? Um, yeah. No, I mean, it benefited their tricks, you know? No, it, no it's taking away their tricks. You know? Like no, that's you, what I, if, no, I mean, we're, we're saying the same thing. Oh, we are. Okay. Yeah. I, Me, I, meaning I'm saying like, if, if you're Elton Brand and you just got beat by Trey Young, and you're you're like, hey, let's get rid. Of <laughs> who yeah. who votes to get rid of the tricks? Uh, general manager of the 76ers votes to get rid of the trick the tricks. I yeah. mean, it's it's um. But no, my uh, point is, it benefits the stars, like to allow them to do that. So that's why I'm surprised they took it away. Right, I see what you're saying, but I'm saying that the people on this committee, and granted, Adam Silver had to sign off, the owners had to sign off, but the competition committee. Came Michael Jordan this. didn't get the benefit from that. He's probably a little bitter. Well, I mean, Michael Jordan <laughs> is the. I mean, what do we always hear about '90s basketball? We hear all these people talking about, well, this isn't this isn't the '90s. Well, the man of the '90s, <laughs> the man who won six titles in the '90s, was you know one of the lead voices on this competition committee that said, let's take it back towards the '90s a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know well, what I, though, I M MJ does benefit a little bit, Mark, because. Yeah. 
obviously we we watched Last Dance and his legacy is still intact with that. But listen, if 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 the NBA continues to go the way it is, records are being shattered. Um, so the you know the legends of the game, their records are being shattered way quicker than they were ever before. So yeah. I, I, I just I mean, think the offensive numbers are staggering. Purist, if you're a purist, which I think we can say. Michael Jordan is a purist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to see your MVP contenders doing pump fakes and throwing their body into guys. Yes, but 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 it's but it's been an overcorrection. Uh, in my but I mean opinion. I mean like look look at the highlight. I think Patrick Beverly was caught the other day, where he was dribbling the ball. You know, still on the other side of half court coming heading toward half court and then he stopped because he knew a defender behind him was running to get back and so of course the defender runs into him and flips over him and but Patrick Beverly doesn't get the call that he has gotten over the years used to you know basically trying to trick guys into fouling him and so I just think like eliminating stuff like that is great but there's definitely going to be an adjustment period for somebody like James Harden who now if you, you know and 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 look we haven't seen his full game yet because he's working his way back. But now uh, what I'm seeing from James Harden a little bit is him shaking and baking on the perimeter with a lot of dribbling and then trying to shoot like a three pointer. He's still driving into the lane, but he's not getting those calls that he normally gets. Well, look, here's the thing with Harden. James Harden is one of the most skilled drivers of the basketball we've ever seen. So I would say to him, go ahead and drive the basketball. But when you get the corner turned, score the basket. Don't worry about sticking your hip out or throwing your arm up and getting the foul. And if you get hit, they'll give you the foul. Don't don't go for the trick every time. Go to play basketball. Score. Go go finish. With I mean, that's hard. That's hand. hard, Wendy. If you've spent the last you know eight years perfecting well, this is, in order to find you know hard. your way around the rules. I mean, I think. I know, but it you wasn't know, like they I, I agree with you. Was coming. They didn't. It wasn't I agree like they with you. Hard. On. Well, it's funny. Like Steve Nash has been calling you know Harden the the poster boy of these rule changes, and that he's being unfairly penalized because of this. But I do think it's going to take it. If you, if you've been working on. These I don't want to I don't want to call them tricks or whatever. But if you've been working on these methods to draw fouls and get to the line and score, and you've been doing it now for what eight, ten years or longer, and perfecting it, it's going to take a long time for you to just all of a sudden stop doing it. That I agree with. That I agree with. But I think the issue that the players are having, based on what I have learned, is that it's not so much that they're not calling those trap fouls anymore where you trap a guy to getting into the air and you throw your body into him. It's more that they're allowing way too much contact from the defense. And so I suspect, in fact, I was just talking to a scout today who attended a game uh, he, on Saturday and he was telling me that he saw a lot more freedom of movement fouls. In other words, holds on players coming across the lane and getting into position, you know, uh, hand checks. He saw a lot more of them called, on this game he was at on Saturday than he'd seen the first week and a half of the season. And so maybe that's getting corrected. But um, when I look at these scores every night, um, I mean, it's just like, there's a whole bunch of games, you know, that are being played, you know, 10 points lower than they were. And, you know, maybe that's where the game where some of these guys want the game to be played, but um, it's certainly been a little jarring. Um, so Spears, um, one of the teams that is uh, off to a really good start uh, this year. And not only that, but is going to stay off to a good start, I think, because they've got a favorable schedule and a team you've been around a lot, you know, where you live is the, is the golden state warriors. Um, they're, they're um, obviously, uh, you know, they've, they've gotten off to a tremendous start. They're five and one heading into tonight's games. Um and they're on a, what is a six game home homestand right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, long, long. And uh, or is yeah, it eight? The, isn't it? What was I don't even I don't I, I know it's long. Yeah, uh, long homestand. Um, what have you seen? Uh, so they um, let me just check here. But anyway, uh, what have you seen with the Warriors so far? It is other it than is eight eight games. Yeah. By the way, Steph is scoring. I think 28, 28.7. So four, about four points less a game than he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, when he, uh, did he win the scoring title to Brad Beal? I think he won the scoring title. 
Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So what are you seeing from the Warriors so far that you think is, uh, is really making it work for them? Well, Kerr made it sound the other day like they might be a little bit of fool's gold because if you look at their wins, other than Oklahoma City the second time around, because they have played them twice, they hadn't really blown out anybody, you know. Um, and their games have been kind of tight. So, um, but I mean, to open the season with with wins against the Lakers, wins against the Clippers, especially opening night for the Lakers, I mean, that was to me very, very impressive. And then if you look at their one loss is an overtime loss uh, against Memphis, a team that kind of seems to have their number, but. The one thing I, I do think is impressive is they're like, you know, doing it by committee right now. You know, Jordan Poole, you know, he's not Clay Thompson, but he's a he's a hell of a, you know, feeling right now. And he's averaging 14 points a game and he has a a, a confidence, a swag. Damon Lee is, is basically a big surprise. Uh, he's been making big shots for him. He's averaging 14 Wiggins probably they probably like him to pick it up a little bit. He's averaging 16, and obviously Curry's doing what Curry's doing. But uh, I always mess his name up. Nemanja Belisha. Did I did I say it right? Nemanja Belitsa. But that's okay. Close. Let's, let's, close. Yeah, let's close. yeah, yeah. He he to me has been a great pickup. You know, he kind of does some of the things that David Lee used to do. Um opens up the offense a little bit for him because he's, a, you know, basically a stretch five. And Otto Porter, he, to me, was an outstanding pickup. Like, when a warrior signed him, I was like, oh, he's he's available? <laughs> like, and, and he's not averaging a dramatic amount of points. He's averaging six points right now. But he's he's also had a nice presence off the bench, made some, some, some nice shots for him. Uh, rebounded well in, in a getting you know, Iguodala back. Toscano Anderson is kind of a Swiss Army knife guy for him. And then the team is not even healthy yet. I mean, I really love Jonathan Kaminga. I think he's going to chance, if Kirk gives him a chance to play, he played in the G League last year. So this rookie is a different kind of rookie. Very, very talented. I think he has a chance to be special. James Wiseman is close um he got cleared to practice and um i'm not sure when he's going to be back on the court but he what I, I believe and i don't know how much has been said about this that he had a surgery an acl surgery well no he didn't have surgery but they heard they sewed his knee together so he didn't have to have surgery and just let it heal and it takes took a longer time but because they what? like kind of did just, what? I'm sorry. Say that again. So there wasn't a surgery. They like sewed the meniscus back. Well, isn't that a surgery? Not, no, no, not. It's not. a. It, I'm trying to explain it. Somebody was trying to explain it to me. It's not your typical surgery. Okay. Okay. Maybe they, they just like let it heal. They did something that allowed it to let it heal without having a typical surgery. Okay. So and, they did. So the they, way they, they did, they didn't. Uh, do a standard meniscus repair surgery. Yeah, yeah. They did something that basically allowed it to heal on its own. So it's like better than having surgery. It takes longer to get back from because I think some people were confused to why it's taking them to get long so long to get back. But it's like he never got hurt. Uh, I, I got to get more details on that. Yeah, I mean, there, there was something to, to my knowledge. There's two, two sort of, well, there's three ways you can deal with a meniscus. One, yeah. you can rehab it. Yeah. If it's rehabable, that's what happened with Embiid last year. Embiid tore his meniscus in the freaking playoffs. Yeah. And he never had surgery in the off season. He just rehabbed it. Although 
his knee is bothering. It's the other knee now that's bothering him. Um, mm. And he's sitting out tonight's game. They say due to rest, but the knee has been bothering him. Um, so you can rehab it like that. You yeah. can have surgery where they take the meniscus out, which is what you don't want. Yeah, because that leads to, to bone on bone later on. And then, but that's a faster way. You could have a meniscus surgery where they shave the meniscus, where they just like, if it's just on the side, they like just shave it off a little bit. And it's not that invasive of a surgery. And then yeah. you can have a meniscus where you repair it, where you like stitch it back together. I don't know if that's what he had. Um, and that's the injury that can take three five months to get back from because it's the most invasive yeah, procedure i think it's the uh something where i mean i'm not a doctor man you know that i <laughs> uh, curse i, I went it. to two state schools right so <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I heard they just did something unique with him and then obviously clay is on the men too so by the beginning of the year i mean you could have two starters back and they've already had this start so there's um a lot of excitement about this team and the way it looks and, and their depth and and their shooting ability um, in the Bay Area right now. So I, you mentioned Belitsa and Otto Porter. You know, Bob Myers, their general manager, and I realize that it's it's not just Bob Myers. They have a a, 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 a whole staff that makes decisions. Um, Joe Lacob and her son, Kurt Lacob, are involved. Steve Kerr, former GM, he's involved. Uh, you know, they have Larry Harris, who's involved. They have Mike Dunleavy, uh, who's involved. I mean, he, you know, Bob would be the first to tell you it's a team effort. But their veteran free agent signings over the last four or five years, the back end of their of their title runs, they didn't exactly hit home runs in those yeah. signings. You know, a lot of people got excited when they signed to Marcus Cousins. That was not a good signing. OK, it, it, it sounded good. And I understand why it took the gambling. It turned out not to be a good sign. You know, I don't think when they signed Nick Young, it was a good signing, for example. Yeah. Um, uh, Willie Cauley Stein ended up not being a good signing. OK, so they but I will. And I will say this to your point now. Kerr said this the other day. He said he believes that every player on their roster can help them win a game. Well, that's a which, good point, which, and, which is a lot, which, you know, and then they had some other guys, some, you know, European guys over the last couple of years, too, or some young players at the end of the bench that that certainly uh, were disappointing. So that for him to say that he truly believes that every player can have an impact on the game is definitely a, a, a new look for the Warriors. Well, that's that's a compliment to the development of Jordan Poole and Damian Lee. Now. A lot of people, including some people on this pod, were very excited about Jordan Poole at the start of the season. He looked great in the preseason, and he's had a couple of really good games. But you mentioned Damian Lee. I mean, he's he's kind of, you know, he's kind of known for you know marrying into. He, didn't he marry? Um, Steph's. Uh, he got a baby on the way too. Yeah, he he married Aisha's sister. Am I correct? No, no, Steph's that? sister. He married Steph's sister. Okay, yeah. screwed that up. Anyway, he's he's kind of, he's been on the team for four years, and if you asked me about him, you know, six weeks ago, I'd have said, yeah, he may, I didn't have even have the right sister correct. Um, he did have a couple of good games a few years ago, sort of in junk time for them mm -hmm. after Steph was injured, but I didn't like, really, you know, I didn't really take it seriously. Well, he's been great for them. Not only is he averaging fourteen points a game, but he's he's shooting six or forty six percent on threes. I mean. That is so huge for them because and he hasn't uh, started. Right. He's he he's comes off, the, off bench. the bench. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, pool is sort of hot and cold, and he's got super confidence, but yeah, Lee giving him those, you know, so Bialitsa and and Otto Porter both being, you know, supportive additions, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money on their side, they played for the minimum, but getting those two guys and then being able to support is big. And then Damian Lee is playing and being able to support those starters is obviously huge. And then Draymond's playing well, the league is moving in Draymond's direction. He's allowed to use his hands and hold and, and tug and pull and, you know, do all of his, uh, you know, sorcery. So, you know, Draymond's in a, in a good place uh, defensively. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's looking, you know, good for them. And, you know, they really believe that Clay is going to come back and, and be an impact player like pretty quick. Now, I mean, th these rule changes, 
these rule changes have to make the Warriors better. I mean, it would be, maybe you can make the argument that no team stands to benefit more from these rule changes than the Warriors. Well, I argue you're Miami. Right. I argue Miami is benefiting. Miami too, yes. But Draymond now, he's getting up there a little bit in age. I'll admit that. But, like, I think he now is going to be able – this helps him be able to defend stay with guys. Clay Thompson coming off an if injury. If they keep allowing the holding and, and grabbing and tugging, which I don't know if they will, but right now they are. I mean, Clay Thompson has to love these rule changes, especially coming off this injury. I mean, I, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, going into the season, I thought the Warriors were going to be good. I thought they were going to be a top four or top five Western Conference team, and some people didn't agree with me on that. I thought they were going to be good. I thought that when Clay Thompson comes back, I think he's going to be good. Um, it might take a little bit. I thought Otto Parter was going to be excellent. I know he's had a lot of injuries, but I just felt like he was a great fit. Bielitsa, great fit. Jordan Poole, I even give, give the Michigan kid a little credit. You know, I don't like to give Michigan kids, kids credit, but he's always had this confidence. I, I think what we're talking about, Damian Lee and Jordan Poole, they're, they were like, like Jordan Poole, I watched in college. He was insanely confident in college, but I, you got to probably be even more confident when you're shooting every day with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And like your, if your shot starts to improve in those practices, your confidence is going to go up. The other day I was watching Lee play. I don't remember what game it was, but he was shooting with such confidence. I was like, man, this guy just comes off the bench and starts firing three point shots. Like, you know, basically he's a starter. And so that's something where I think this it's Steve Kerr is going to have some issues here because I don't know how he's going to play everybody. I don't know what's going to happen when everybody's healthy. I mean, it's a, a good problem. That's a to good have. problem. Great problem. And we're, I'm telling you, I don't know if there's too many rookies in Warriors history that have, have been beat up as much as Wiseman has been beat up. Um, like why Wiseman, I think is going to be excellent for them. He gives them like you, um, you mentioned Willie Cauley-Stein, right? The Warriors have longed for a guy that they could throw alley-oops to, do some Dwight Howard stuff, because they did have interest in Dwight Howard around the same time they got Iguodala. Actually, they it could have been interesting yeah, how the course of we things. We haven't mentioned Iguodala as a veteran pickup. I mean, yeah. he doesn't feel like a new player. even. But exactly. So Iguodala's there. But Wiseman gives him a shot blocker. Gives them some, they have no size right now. So they're doing this with no size. He gives them rebounding. He's going to catch alley oops. He can run the floor. They, they add a new dimension once he's able to play. And, and I do think that he'll quickly uh, become a starter, which when Clay and, and Wiseman return as starters, then Poole and uh, Looney go to the bench, which makes their bench even better. Well, I love, as I've said all last year, I, I, you know, I'd never really seen Wiseman play because he barely played in public view, you know, at least on a nationwide, you know, and I loved his skill set. I just don't think you see big men like that with those type of feet and hands. And I loved yeah. it. And I know that they played better when he didn't play, but I, I just love his skill set and I'm not trying to compare him to other guys in that class. Yeah. Um, but I, I love his skill set. I'm a believer in him, and uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, speaking of young guys, Spears, um, you are doing a uh, a diary this year on the undefeated with the number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, who just played his first game for the Pistons. The Pistons, by the way, look terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just can't score at all. Jeremy Grant's not playing well. They're banged up, and Cade has only played one game. Um but I know that you just had an entry that came out with him, uh, I guess it was over the weekend or end of last week. And I just want to know, since you've been speak, spending time with him, uh, I, want to, I want to talk about some of the rookies that uh, are, you're, you know, keeping an, we're keeping an eye on right now. But um, what's Cade's, where's Cade's head at now that he's, he's missed a whole bunch of time with this injury and, and is now getting back and, and having to hit the ground running? Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be frustrating because he was um... – super excited about, you know, entering uh, and being the number one pick. Like he took, he's taken pride in being the number one pick. He, he, he doesn't see it as pressure. He sees it as his story, which I, I think is an amazing perspective for somebody his age uh, to not, you know, see that as something that should, should make him like feel like the world is against him. Um, he, he, feels worthy he feels like he's going to do well 
obviously this injury is, is in the blip of his is hopefully going to be just something that's a blip in his career. But he, he is certainly one of the more charismatic uh, guys I've ever spoken to. Thing that kind of sucks for him right now is you know uh, you're you're right into the fire when everybody else is warmed up and really going and there's no back to backs. So right. You know, with an ankle injury, I'm like, man, this ain't, he must have had a high ankle sprain, something pretty bad, you know, for, for it to have lingered this long. And he he definitely didn't really look too comfortable. So it, it might take a week or so for him to be him. And a week from Wednesday in Houston, like he plays Jalen Green, <laughs> who's basically come out like gangbusters, right? I mean, Jalen Green, Evan Mosley, Scotty Barnes, they've they've looked pretty great so far. Yeah. Um, Barnes has a has a wrist thing right now that may slow him down. But um, you know, that was a stunning pick for you know those of us on the outside that they went with him over Jalen Suggs and all no, he's looking done, good, right? Yeah, he has been, I mean, he he looks like <laughs> he looks like he's got a chance to become the Raptors franchise player within, you know, yeah. a year or so. I mean, you know, they're going to get Siakam back and, you know, they still believe in Ananobi and obviously, you know, Fred Van Vliet plays a key role for them, but like he's a type of, you know, he's averaging 18 points. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's, he's rebounding. He's gotten, yeah, I think he had one game where he had like 17 rebounds or something like that. He's got um, just tremendous size and athleticism. There's a lot of excitement. You know, and I've been, uh, uh, Brian, I've been surprised by Mobley, man. Like, I saw him play in person at USC, watched a lot of his games, and, I mean, he's a, he's a stick man. He's a skinny, skinny kid. He's only 215 pounds at 6'11". But for him to, like, jump out the gate and, and get the starting role and 13-7 and seven already, like, that, that's pretty – pretty strong and yeah, he we talked and on the, Jared Allen together yeah. man that's some length boy yeah we talked they, on the they pod got the some other, length to them yeah we talked in the pod the other day about how he's defending although you can see how the scouting report is always already coming on him teams are using their size to make yeah. him uncomfortable yeah he only that's had two points happen. against Phoenix so he had his yeah. first clunker uh on Saturday but yeah they I'm, I'm sure the thing now is beat him up I can't believe the Cleveland thing is working with all the big men. I mean, like even well, like Kevin, even see. Kevin Love was getting some, was getting some, putting up some numbers. You know, uh, marking in. Um, yeah. I, I Jared Allen, obviously. I, I mean, I was, I was just like, what? What are the Cavs doing? They have way too many big men. They have absolutely their 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 small forward slash wing position is just, it's just devastating. <laughs> it's just devastating. They 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 go to the bench, and I, I don't want to insult anybody, but they're playing a small, they're starting small forward is out of position and they go to the bench. And, and right now Isaac Okoro has been out and things just go way, way South, way fast. But, um, um, you know, there's some other guys in this class that are, you know, look, I, I don't, I'm, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about teams like the Orlando magic and Indiana Pacers. The, the, the Pacers have been a terrible disappointment thus far. Terrible. And part of it is because they've got injuries. Uh, TJ Warren's foot injury is just, you know, I don't even know when he's going to come back. His career has been derailed by this. And now they've got Malcolm Brogdon, who's so important to them, out. Karis Levert guy, just came back. Right. Levert has been out, too. So th- it's not going great for them right now. But yeah. this guy they drafted uh, Duarte, in the, in the right? late lottery, Chris Duarte, yeah. who – very unusual lottery pick at age 24. He might've been 23 when he got drafted, but he's 24. Very unusual to see a 24 year old rookie. Who's a lottery pick. Um, and talking to people around Indiana, he is just super competitive, like just absolutely hates to lose competing from the first day. He's averaging 18 points, uh, shooting 40% from three averaging five rebounds, two assists a game. Um, and Franz Wagner, who's, um, you know, uh, he was a lottery pick for, uh, yeah. Orlando, what they got f- out of the, the bulls, uh, trade. another Michigan looks- kid, right? Well, they've got, <laughs> they've got his brother, Mo Wagner on the roster. Um, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, a, he's a tall shooter, you know, and 
he is averaging 14 points and shooting really good, like 44, 45% from three. Typically these rookies, especially the, the perimeter players don't shoot that high of a percentage coming out. They, they normally struggle with the physicality that you have to have. And this rookie class, which was so acclaimed, I mean, again, it's going to be Mobley and green and Cunningham and Barnes who get the attention. And even Josh Giddy is having good games. You know, they're getting beat up a lot. So we're, you know, we're not going to see him a lot for uh, Oklahoma city. Well, let me Um, also throw in Davion Mitchell, man. He, he is the best defender on ball defender in this draft and could very well soon be the best on ball defender in this league. I mean, if he's, had an opportunity to face some some really good guards so far, like Chris Paul and Book and Steph Curry and uh, Spider, and, you know, um, and he's locked a lot of these guys up quietly. I know it's a real big dig deal in Sacramento now, but Davion Mitchell has stepped the whole Kings' defensive uh, ability up, pushed these guys. He wants to guard De'Aaron Fox in practice every day. Like, he asks for that, doesn't shy from that, wants the best defensive uh, assignment every game. So I think Luke is going to have to figure out a way because Tyrese Halliburton is a great offensive player, but he's not even in the same atmosphere defensively as Davion, like trying to figure out how to use Fox, Mitchell, Halliburton either together. But Mitchell was fighting his way onto the floor, not because he's some great offensive player, but he's just – such a dog defensively that there's so many great West guards that you have to put them in there. Well, well yeah, me, I, 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 t- I remember talking to somebody from the Kings when they were in LA a few weeks ago. And I said, what are y'all going to do with so many guards? You guys have so many point guards and you know, the smallest gonna, guards to play. And, and they said, this guy said, bench, you know, they're going to, they're going to bench Bagley is what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what they well, do. this guy said, they said instead of what they did was they no longer started drafting position. To this, they just wanted to draft basketball players. Um, and so they felt like with Davion Mitchell, they had gotten another, and Halliburton. They just went after basketball players. Forget about position. And so it's, I, I, I gotta say, I mean, that's, that's refreshing if that it really is the King's, you know, outlook on things of how to how to draft because obviously well, look, you know they haven't had great drafts in the past. Right, the, the, Monty McNair is their general manager. He's been there for two drafts. You know the 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 Marvin Bagley uh, or the or the the Bagley over um, over Doncic thing was not on his record. Okay, his record is Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, <laughs> and you know going forward, he's obviously going to go with what he believes in. And so that's what's going on there. But as long as you're talking about great defensive rookies, Spears, there's a guy in, um, in New Orleans, Herb Jones, who is another old guy, second round pick uh, out of Alabama, 23 years old, um, played four years in college. And I went to the season opener in New Orleans when the, when the Sixers were there and I was watching him. I, I've already talked about their other uh, rookie, uh, Trey Murphy, who's uh, got a really gifted uh, three-point shooter out of Virginia. But I was watching Herb Jones work out before the game, and David Griffin, their uh, president, says to me, this kid is going to be playing by the fifth game because our coach, Willie Green, loves him that much. And, you know, I'm used to hearing – general managers and executives get excited about guys they just drafted. It's, you know, that's what their record is. Um, Guess what? By the second game, he was starting (laughs) and he is not a good shooter at all. His outside shot is not pretty (laughs) watching him work out alongside uh, Trey Murphy, who was knocking down about 60% of his practice threes and watching uh, herb who was knocking down about 20%. uh, That is not his forte, at least right now. Uh, but he at six eight, with incredible athleticism, he is already showing how he aggressive and versatile he can be defensively. There are rookies making contributions all over the place in this league. And granted, we just went over some teams. <laughs> you know, Sacramento has had some moments early on. They've been keeping their head above water. But you know, New Orleans, Orlando, 
Indiana. There's just, you know, Oklahoma City. There's not much to get excited about there. But these young guys are really doing things. And Herb Jones looks like he could be the type of guy who could. I mean, I you got to be real careful invoking Draymond Green because the standard is so high. But it's that type of skill set. Wendy, he uh, has, he yeah. has, well, and you, you say he's not really, obviously not a shooter, but he has 12 points in each of his last two games, shot six of 13, five for eight in the last two games. And he has five steals total in the last two games. Yeah. And he played 30, he played like 36 minutes in the last game. Yeah. They're just, they're just, I mean, it, things aren't good in new Orleans right now, which they, with all due respect to everybody, they have completely, totally, utterly, inexplicably botched how they've communicated the Zion Williamson injury. There's no other way to put it today. They came out and said um, it's going to be at least two or three more weeks before there's an update. They didn't say anything about the injury when it it happened. And I understand that they want to protect his privacy and all that stuff. But if you're going to do that, you have to pay the consequences of that. So they come out at the first day of training camp. Zion says, I'll be back by opening night. David Griffin says he should be back by opening night. Willie Green's not so sure. (laughs) Okay. Opening night comes. He's not playing. They say, we'll give you an update in two weeks. Two weeks comes. We'll give you an update in three weeks. They have not handled this well at all. And they have a video that leaks out of him working out before a game the other day. They weren't thrilled that that video got out because it was during their close shoot around. And he obviously looks heavy in that video. And by being opaque, Again, I'm telling you, trying to hide the truth. I'm not saying you have to like uh, publish his MRI scans and stuff like that. But when you aren't honest with your fans, it always comes back to haunt you. And they were not honest about Zion and it makes Zion look bad and it makes them look bad. I'm sorry to go on a little rant here um, because ultimately you need Zion to be healthy, Spears. But um, Herb Jones, when we talked to that, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, and I'm, you know, my family being from New Orleans, I hear about it all the time. And, you know, they, they keep trying to want to buy in to the Pelicans. And then just when they get excited, there's a downer. And I, I think that's one thing that whether it's the Pelicans or any team in any sport, like it's better to be honest with injuries, man. Like they, they probably should have said it when it happened. It's, because as painful as it was for that news, it just to it messed up. And we talked about it before, Wendy. It messed up media day, right? That was oh the news God. media day, and instead of talking yeah. about it when it happened, and now, uh, oh, open the day, yeah, that's open the day's past. And then you see like Ja doing well. Now we see R.J. Barrett starting to pick up his game and starting to look like. People expected him to look. And then the only time we've seen Zion so far so far is the sitting on the couch eating some uh snack in, in a commercial. Right, but part <laughs> of this is Zion, part of this is Zion too. Zion has not yeah. been out there to discuss yeah. how he's doing. And so, like, yeah, if you want to be private, I understand. So is that him? But, is that his family? Is that the Pelicans? Is that his handlers? Like Good luck. Good luck finding that out. Yeah, getting that answer right. It's it's just amazing that like two seasons ago, I remember thinking the Pelicans were the team that I wanted to watch on League Pass every night. <laughs> you know, Lonzo well, Ball, the Zion. I just kept thinking he, this is going to be a played, pair for, for years. He, he played 60 games last year, averaged 27 points and shot 61% on some of the greatest interior scoring we've seen since Shaq. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. It, I was it, excited. There, I'm excited. Or there's a lot to be excited about yeah. there, but you know. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, thank you to Spears and thank you to Ulm. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you later this week and check out some of those rookies. Week pass. Mm-hmm.